Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott, and it is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Welcome back to the show. We do appreciate when you stop by. Don't forget, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Platform, a great network of music-related podcasts, something for everyone's taste, everyone's style of music. There's something for you, including the official Metallica podcast that is on Pantheon. And you can find that podcast at pantheonpodcast.com, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, and Facebook. At Pantheon Pods, and you can do the same on all those platforms with the Hook Rocks. Just search us up, and you'll find us. And don't forget to like, follow us, subscribe to us wherever you do podcast. 
and set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone, as well as some great new episodes we've done. We just released our top 25 of 2023. Man, I think it was like four hours, over four and a half hours of talk about new music and new albums. It's great. We always do it every year. We do our quarterly episodes, which we just did our last quarterly one at the end of December. And we kind of break it all down each quarter, every three months with the top albums. And at the end of the year, we do the big, the big kahuna, as they say, with our top 25. And it was a great year for music, great albums. One that I really connected with in particular, I connected with a lot of them, but one above else. And that's my number one. You're going to have to listen to that to find out. And we also welcomed Joe Satriani talking about G3 and the upcoming Sammy Hagar tour, as well as Jax Hollow, the great singer-songwriter, new artist out of Nashville, who's just starting her first headline tour, touring clubs across the country. She's starting out on the East Coast and headed to the Midwest. I'll be seeing her outside of Chicago in Evanston, Illinois in February. So check out all those and more. Oh, and our Festivus episode where we air our grievances on the music industry, Jason from All Things Blues and Southern Rock, and Matt Wake, the rock journalist, joined me to talk about Robert Plant and why he has never wanted to do he has never wanted to do a Led Zeppelin reunion tour and the reasons behind that. And there's a few that are really important that I think the Led Zeppelin fans forget. And we break it all down for you and we talk about why it's it's different for Robert than other artists. And we get into that. So I hope you enjoy all those and more. And our next guest today is a return guest. It's been a while since she's been on. She did our Ozzy Osbourne Legacy show in 2023, which got a great response. She's done so many more episodes. This is probably her five, six, seventh time she's been on the show. She's great. We have a great conversation. And we're going to talk about something different today. We're going to talk about her travels over the last year and who she traveled with and her experiences and what she's been doing since her podcast, Metal from the Inside, went on hiatus. And that is the legendary Sydney Taylor. What's happening? Hey, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to have you. You know, we finally had the pleasure to meet here in St. Charles earlier last year at the Winery Dogs show. You were working the merch table for the Winery Dogs and touring with them. It was great to finally meet you. Oh, it was so great to meet you, too. I was so stoked. And it was was funny because you caught me. I remember on the one day where I was like just completely under the weather i had lost my voice but i was so stoked that you were there and it was it was so great to finally meet you it was an awesome show that night it was a great show that band and we're gonna get into their tour and you know your travel and life experiences while being on that tour but that band you know their album winery dogs three ended up being number six on my top 25 and they're just an incredible band they are the top of the food chain when it comes to musicianship in rock and roll and rock music these days. From Portnoy just being a amazing drummer, we all know what he can do. Billy, we all know what he can do. And Richie, who has solidified, I think, his reputation since being in Winery Dogs as, in my opinion, the best guitar player making music in rock right now. Man, that band, it's so funny because... I wouldn't, you know, with touring with them, really gained such a newfound appreciation for them. And it's funny because um, a lot of people who know me 
and I probably have mentioned this to you before and on the podcast when I've been on, um, I am only 24. So when their first album came out, I believe it was 2012, 2013. I was only 12 or 13 years old at the time. So uh, my parents are huge rock fans. I've talked about it before. They really got me into everything rock music. And I remember my parents playing that album. And I was, you know, at that point, you know, becoming a teenager and, you know, kind of getting into music myself. But I remember hearing that album. And so I, I went into the tour when I started to work for them um, with the knowledge of that record, but being out there and hearing the songs and I became so familiar with every album that they've done. And I just became a huge, huge, huge fan of the band genuinely, uh, way more than I, than I was before I started working for them. And uh, I sh- I'm sure we'll get into it. Um, some of the other details, but man, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. I saw them before their first album came out. They had just released the single for Elevate, and they played at a place called it was Reggie's downtown in Chicago, um, South Loop area of the city. And blown away because I've you know I was a huge Richie fan. Portnoy was in Dream Theater. I never was a big Dream Theater fan, but I respected his ability as a drummer. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And of course, Billy, you know who doesn't know Billy Sheen, who knows anything about rock music, and. They got on, and the only other time I've said, I can't believe three people are making that music, is when I saw Rush. It's, you know, it's not progressive. There's a little progressive influence and and aspects to it. Obviously, they all have the shredding ability with Billy and Richie and, and Portnoy's background, we all know. But it's like proggy, classic rock style with like some soul infused in it. And Richie's voice just brings it home. Like I remember we're watching them at Reggie's and my friend who hadn't heard their music, like turned to me and he goes, that guy's a jerk. I go, why did he do something to you? He's like, no, he's an incredible guitar player. And he's an incredible singer. Like he's a jerk. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like it was funny. I always remember that moment. Um, but it was just a, a fantastic show and I've been a fan of theirs ever since. Yeah, they I mean that band has something that a lot of bands don't have and um it's just the fact that I mean of course it's a trio but every single person in that band um has their moment to shine in in almost every single song. Um you know like you mentioned Billy, I mean one of the greatest bass players that has ever lived, you know, Richie his you know background and and everything that he has done on the guitar and you know same with mike it's just they each have their moment to shine in in every song and that doesn't always happen in in every band um and man they're just i could go i could go on about them forever they're just fantastic yeah and the depth of their music you know that's the thing like richie is a total shredder i'll focus on Kotzen for now he's a complete badass shredder that was signed by mark varney back in the day when all those guitar players were on, I, forget, I think it was Shrapnel Records, you know, it was him mm-hmm. and it was uh, Jason Becker and Marty Friedman and all those guys. And he wanted to do more soul R&B stuff. And that's really where his guitar playing, in my opinion, separates from other players that do that because he's got that shredding ability 
but he's got a tasteful, soulful R&B influence infused in it. And it's so unique and it's so incredible that every time I see him, I'm blown away by something he does. I'm blown away by the fact that he doesn't use a pick. I, I just, it's just absolutely incredible. That was the best part <laughs> about uh, work in the merch booth. Um, was I would get so many people who would come up to me and say, uh, you know, ask if I was selling picks. <laughs> and I would look at them and I'd be like, nobody on that stage is using a pick. And I would talk to the guys about it and they would laugh and, and, uh, they had thought about, you know, coming up with some, just some picks that they could maybe, you know, give away or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, no one, no one on the stage is using a pick. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's pretty funny. And, you know, then of course, Billy, who's been in the game forever, I took, I've seen winery dogs at least half dozen times. And one time I took my son and, you know, he's in a rock and roll, but he's got his own bands that he listens to. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta see this band. So I took him and he went begrudgingly. And I said, the bass player is like the Eddie Van Halen of bass players. He's like, come on. It's like, no way. (laughs) And I'm like, all right. So we're walking out. He's all jazzed up. He's like, Dad, that was great. That bass player, he's like Eddie Van Halen. I go, what did I tell you? I said, absolutely. The guy is a monster player. And, you know, everyone always says, one of the one of the feedback that, um, that people say when Billy plays is he overplays. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He never overplays. He plays his style that he's been playing for 40 years. You know, it's like, it's not like he just invented this and not like he's doing, this is what he does. He's always done this. This is his style. The other guys in the band are quite comfortable with it. So they're fine, but you know, he never overplays. That's just who he is. Yeah. That's just, you know, what he's known for. And like you said, everybody who uh, works with him musically, you know, knows that and appreciates that. And, you know, it's so rare, uh, to see a bass player do the things that he does. Um, he's just, man, he's a legend. And of course, Portnoy, you gotta love him. He's a fantastic drummer, but one of the things that I appreciate about him, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit, is how much of a fan of music he is. Right. I mean, he, and he wears it on his sleeve, right? He's not afraid to talk about Kiss and talk about Rush and all these bands that influenced him and all these bands that he grew up with. And he is such, he's a music fan like you and I are. And I'm sure everyone in the band is, but he's very vocal about it. He's very, he participates in a lot of different shows and podcasts talking about music. And it's, it's great to see that someone who's been in the business for this long still has that passion for for music like that oh mike is one of the most passionate music fans that i know and it's funny because before i even worked with them i knew mike from uh sea of tranquility which is the youtube show i used to do quite frequently um and mike would come on and he would discuss and be on the panel and so i originally got to know him in that way just kind of you know shooting the shit about music and and uh talking about everything from you know 70s to the beatles to you know metal to even you know my dislike of rush which he is not he still makes fun of me for (laughs) um but he is just one of the most passionate music fans that i know and it's so great because he can talk to anybody and find something in common with them when it comes to music. Like, you know, um, he's not super into 
the 80s stuff that I am per se, but, you know, we really connect on the 70s. And um, when our lighting director, uh, you know, would chat with him, they were big on kind of newer metal and newer music. And he just is able to talk to um, someone about, you know, anything when it comes to music. Just he's very, just so knowledgeable. Um, and you can just tell how much he loves it. I mean, even even now, um, I still get sometimes texts from him going, you should check this out. You know, I think you'd like this. And he's just, he's always listening, um, always has something that he's, you know, checking out or, you know, re-listening to or, you know, everything like that. He's just extremely passionate. And it's really cool to see somebody, you know, that into music who plays music all the time, you know? Yeah, that's what I love about him is because he engages in the conversation where a lot of other artists won't. And they have, everyone has their reasons for not doing that, but he, he really, I mean, there's a handful of guys, him and Sebastian Bach and other guys that are always talking about other bands and how much of a fan they are of other bands. And I think that's great because they got into this business. They got into this industry because they love music. And it's great to see that they're still a fan like they were when they first started. Oh, 100%. I mean, a lot of people, you know, you think even people that I know who, you know, are even on cruise and work in the industry, you're surrounded by it all the time. And especially when you're um, a musician and writing, you know, you're you're surrounded by it even more and trying to be creative. And sometimes people really get turned off by even really listening to music outside of <laughs> when they have to work on it, which you would think isn't something that would happen when you get into the music industry, whether you're on the artist side or, you know, the industry side. But it's something that happens a lot where you're surrounded by it and you got into it because you're super passionate about it. But, you know, like anything, it does become work to a certain extent. Um, and so, you know, when you come home and kind of have a second to decompress, sometimes the last thing you want to do is put on an album. You kind of sometimes want to sit in silence. And so I feel like that happens for a lot of musicians too. Um, you know, but on the flip side of that, you know, to see somebody like Mike just, Still, you know, having been in it for so long, just so incredibly um, stoked about music still is is really refreshing. I think about that bar in Nashville. There's a bar off Broadway. Broadway is like the touristy part, but right. there's a lot of cool places to go outside of Broadway. And there's a lot of rock clubs outside of Broadway, too. But there's this one bar, which you're not allowed to say the name publicly, but it's where all the musicians go at night when they're done with their gigs. And there's no music allowed to be played in the bar. <laughs> right. And and they don't want like people knowing about it because they just want it to be like a, you know, they don't want a bunch of fans hanging out. They just want to go and have a beer and chit chat about music. Like if you bring up music, you might like get ignored. So, so it's such a, <laughs> it's such a fun, funny place because you're in Nashville music city and there is a bar that they don't have music playing. Because all the musicians go there and they don't want to hear it. Like you said, they want to sit in silence. Yeah, it's it's a real thing. It's um and it's like I said, one of those things that you don't you don't really think about and you kind of wonder how that's possible. Like, you know, you you write music and you play music or you work in music and what do you mean you don't wanna listen to it or you know, and that's not, you know, for everybody, but sometimes, you know, you're like, Man, I've been around music for twenty four seven for months on end. It'd kind of just be nice <laughs> to sit and just, you know, be alone with your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about 
what they do. I mean, you think about other professions, right? I mean, you know, when a doctor isn't tending to patients, they don't want to talk about medicine with people, right? They want to just kind of do something different. They don't want, you know, they, they don't want to talk about, you know, with somebody about an illness because they've been doing it all day long. And of course they right. love the profession like musicians do, but like anybody, they need a break. Yeah, exactly. For you having this experience, I know you have done work with Alice Cooper in the past too, as well, but correct me if I'm wrong. This was the most extensive travel that you've done for a tour for a band. Uh, yeah, this was all in all. I was with them for about four months altogether. Um, we did a first run, uh, back when I met you, which was, from like February to April. So, you know, about three months exactly. And then we did Europe for about two and a half, three weeks. Um, so a little, little less than four months I spent with them. Um, but yeah, at the time I later on last year, I ended up going out with Alice for about three or four months, but, uh, I went to Europe for the first time with the winery dogs. So it was really incredible and definitely the most, the most travel I had done so far at that point. Now, I kind of geek out when people talk about venues because I love the <laughs> uniqueness of like each venue in each town. I find that fascinating. I think that's all part of the experience when you go to a show is just the, you know, the differences in the venue and how they're laid out and how they sound and, you know, the ease of getting in and out and the area around it. What was your favorite place to go while you're on tour in the States? Oh man, that's so hard. Cause it's, it's funny. It's funny thinking about it because it becomes a different experience when you're looking at it, um, from like a fan standpoint via, you know, or, or versus, sorry, versus, uh, a like crew standpoint, because there are so many venues that we played. And that I, you know, I was at last year that if I were a fan, it would be so great to see the show. And then on the flip side, it was like the worst load in ever. And like, not for any reasons that really have to do with like venue personnel, but just like the logistics of the building. Um, so I mean, ah, oh, that's really hard. One of the venues that's a standout for me that I'll actually be going back to with Mr. Big in a couple of weeks um, is the Epic Event Center in Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, which I know is like a random <laughs> venue to pick, but it's it's relatively new. And the setup was really great. The dressing rooms were awesome. Um, the venue itself is is very spacious. They had like a downstairs and an upstairs. Um, they even had this like really cool green room, uh, that, you know, opening bands primarily use, but you know, the, the, uh, main act can go into and it has like, you know, pool tables and, you know, arcade games and they have like a basketball court outside. It's, it's a really cool venue and, um, one that I definitely wasn't expecting to walk into that day and be, um, like just so pleased with, <laughs> um, so that was one that definitely stands out for me. But like I said, there there's so many that I probably would have loved to attend the show, um, but maybe like weren't the easiest logistically, if that makes sense. But there there are just so many places that I also really enjoyed. But Green Bay Epic Event Center was definitely 
one that I still think about. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Chicago. So when you say you're looking forward to going to Green Bay, I'm like, have you been to Green Bay? <laughs> it's like, it's like, like just, a, it's a, it's an ice fishing town, basically. Of course, the Packers play there, but there's really nothing to do in Green Bay. I was really excited, um, to be in Wisconsin for the cheese. I do have to say that, um, the cheese was easily the best part for me. Um, but no, that, that venue is just a really beautiful venue. Um, man, it's, it's so hard looking back because I feel like we hit so many places. You try to like remember each, what each place like looks like. <laughs> um, I'm sure once I get off of this, I'm going to be like, damn, I wish I mentioned that one. But well, I know they like playing the Arcada. They always play the Arcada. The Arcada was another beautiful venue. Um, just, I mean, the theater itself is beautiful and, uh, they have this really cool like restaurant and like this little like speakeasy upstairs. Um, yep. it's such a, it's such, that is a really cool venue. And, and by the merch booth, which obviously, you know, and you know, if anybody listening has been there, they have all those like pinball machines that are all, you know, like rock themed. I also really liked the Arcada. That was a great venue. Yeah. The Arcada is really cool. It's a great place to see a show. And I think. Well, I know the owner of the Arcada also owns the Displays Theater, which I think Mr. Big is going to be playing at in a couple weeks. So that I, is entirely possible. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, and Displays Theater. I grew up in Displays, Illinois. Yes, so, yes, I do. Yes, we are, and we are. We are also doing the Arcada again, so we're doing both. Yeah, because he does yeah. that. He kind of splits them. Um, the promoters, Ron and Esty, who's been on the show too as well. But uh, yeah, Displays Theater used to be this dollar theater when I was growing up. You can go see a movie like four weeks after it was released or a month, two months after it was released for a buck and it had a urine smell, always smelled like urine and <laughs> they refurbished it. It made it into this concert venue, which a lot of people in my hometown were saying that that's what it should be because it's a perfect, you know, logistics because it's got the train that goes into the city of Chicago. So you can go, for, you know, if you, are living in Chicago, you can come out to the Plains Theater, get off the train, walk across the street, go to a show, come back and take the train back downtown. So it's great logistically, but yeah, it's a great location. It's a great theater. I will say, you've never been there. Arcata is beautiful. It really is. The Plains is gorgeous. Yeah, I have not been there yet. Yeah. That will be my that will yeah. be my first time. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I can't believe when I walk in how gorgeous it is because I remember like just how crummy it looked when I was like 16. <laughs> well, I will definitely, I'll definitely keep you posted. Are you going to be at that show? I'm going to try to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try cool. to I'm gonna give my eyes a go that night and, uh, and see what happens. Awesome. Well, I will definitely, if I, if I don't see you, I will definitely let you know what I think. Absolutely. Please <laughs> Looking do. forward to it. But, you know, traveling like that and going through all the cities and doing that stuff before you get to Europe, What's that like? What's that grind like? Because we know the bands do the grind, and you're part of the crew. You're not playing on stage, but you're doing the grind with them. What's that like? It's um, it's funny because I feel like, and it's something that everybody told me before I started touring because, uh, you know, touring was something that I had always wanted to do. It was the whole reason I I really kind of got into the music industry. This was always the reason 
um, or, or what my, my eyes were set on and my focus was set on. And before I got into it, a lot of people told me that, you know, it's not as glamorous as you think it is. And, and it's funny because I, going into it, I never, I never thought it was glamorous. You know, I, I knew it was a lot of work and I knew it wasn't always going to be peaches and cream and, you know, everything that the movies or, you know, people make it out to be. Um, and man, although it can be very tiring, I, I really do love it. it. It's, it's so much fun almost to, you know, be able to wake up in a new place every day. Cause most tours, you know, the bands travel at night, you get to the venue in the morning, you wake up, load in starts, right? So you basically wake up in the parking lot of whatever venue you're at that day. Um, and it's really fun to almost get into a venue and kind of, you know, you eventually go to the same ones the more you tour and you're familiar, but you know, even then, maybe it's a couple months since you've been there or it's your first time at a venue. And it's, it's fun to kind of have the challenge of trying to figure out the day. And I know that sounds <laughs> in, you know, interesting and maybe a little strange, but you know, to figure out dressing rooms and, you know, how the day is going to go. And it's, it's, I'm trying to find the right words. It's just a fun challenge for, for your brain, I guess, to be able to just go into a building and try to figure it all out because, you know, most of the time you're, you're walking into a building for the first time in the morning. And, you know, if you haven't been there, you're kind of just getting the lay of the land and meeting everybody and trying to figure everything out while simultaneously also trying to keep on a schedule and make sure that load ins happening the way it needs to. And, um, you know, you only have the day once. So, you know, time is crucial. So you're trying to do all of that while also getting the lay of the land and getting familiar with everything. Um, you know, it does, it does definitely get tiring the more you do it, you know, when you're out for two or three or four months. Um, by the time you get home, you're definitely, <laughs> you're ready for the break and it's nice to kind of, to, you know, sit around for a week or so. But a lot of people who tour and, I feel the same way. Once you're home for like a week, you're ready to go back out again. Like, it's like you get the bug. You're like, okay, I sat, I watched TV, I watched movies. I'm ready to go again. Um, and I feel like that's, it's that way for a lot of people. So it's definitely a grind. It's definitely, you know, has its tough moments. There are some days where, you know, you have three or four shows in a row and you're running on, you know, not a lot of sleep. You've worked three or four, you know, 16 hour days in a row and you're like, oh my God, I would like love my bed at home right now. Um, and then you have days where, you know, it's always worth it, but you have days where you're like, man, like this is just every sleepless night, every, you know, little bump in the road or fire you've had to put out is just completely worth it. So, I mean, I love what I do. I really, I really do. And the people I work with are just the best. So I, I can't complain at all. You mentioned something about being in a new town constantly and waking up and that every day is different. You really have to, if you're not already, you have to learn to be adaptive. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't let something bother you because like you said, the day is only so long and you've got a schedule to adhere to. And you can, you know, I can imagine you can whine and piss about something, 
but you're losing time if you do that. So you just got to figure out a way to get it working and get it done and be adaptive. And I think that's a huge thing that maybe people don't understand the grind of a tour because being a, you know, being an adaptive person is part of that. Yeah. I mean, you can, the, the reality of the situation is not every day, like I said, is going to be perfect. And that has sometimes nothing to do with, with anybody. It's just how equipment's working or how, you know, how something worked out, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but you know, you can't really, like you said, waste time. You can, I guess, getting upset or worked up about it. You kind of just have to stay calm, figure it out. Once you figure it out, move on to the next thing. And sometimes it's a day where it's just nothing but challenges. <laughs> and, you know, eventually you just have to realize the day is going to eventually end. And we have to get everything that we need to get done, done. And, you know, it, like you said, it really takes being able to, um, kind of get yourself out of that panic mindset. I'm somebody who is naturally a very anxious person. And so when I went into this field, um, at first it's really easy when something goes wrong to be like, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And like you said, that does nothing but like just waste time and make things more difficult. <laughs> and eventually you, you know, the more challenges you go through and, um, the more you kind of tour and know how the day goes and, you know, what, you know, each piece of the puzzle is, is meant for, um, it gets easier and you don't really have to panic as much because you know that everything works out eventually. That's the way I look at it. Even if we have a really, really tough day, the show went up, the show went down, the fans loved it. The band was great, you know, and then, and then once the show's over, it's over and you're on to the next, you know, there's no going back. It's, it's done. We figured it out. Let's focus on whatever's next. So you're right. It's, you have to be really, you know, able to adapt and, um, you know, work under pressure because a lot of it is, you know, includes pressure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a fast paced environment. <laughs> and I've talked to quite a few musicians who know after a certain period of time, I forget, I think it was Sam Bam Colton who said like, it's about three weeks into a tour when people in his experience, if there's, there seems to be a little bit more tension between people, right? Cause you're in closed quarters, you're, you know, you're in a grind and you're doing that. And like you said, there might be three, four shows in a row. Two of the shows may not have gone well. Maybe you don't feel good. There's a lot that goes into it. And you got to understand that. And you got to really grasp that landscape, that dynamic of, of touring that, you know, this is the time where, you know, you maybe you keep quiet a little bit longer. You know, you don't respond back because, you know, people are just trying to, trying to get through that, that grind at that moment. Yeah. You know, you, you live with the people that you work with and, and the way that um I oftentimes try to explain it. I mean, it's, it's like any situation, like living with your family or living with a roommate, there are going to be times, <laughs> you know, in those situations where of course you're going to get on each other's nerves. It's, it happens, you know, like when you have a sibling and you know, you fight with each other every once in a while, that stuff happens. And especially when you're out on the road for literally months at a time, you know, sometimes on bigger tours with, you know, multiple buses, sometimes and, and bigger crews, you have like nine, nine, sometimes even 12 people on a bus. Um, 
And you can imagine that sometimes people are going to do stuff that annoys you or frustrates you or somebody left their bag in the front lounge or their shoes in the hallway and (laughs) it happens. And, you know, you still, even when you have those little moments of frustration or annoyance, you still just love everybody that you work with. And in my experience, um, it really is like a huge family. And even days when pensions are high or when we've had a really maybe um, challenging couple of shows, I mean, the, no love is lost. It's We're basically one big family and you annoy each other, you have fun, make memories, you know, all that stuff. I think the best thing I've ever, I ever was told by a musician was Ace Von Johnson. When he goes into town, he looks for record stores and animal shelters. Love it. <laughs> and he gets, he gets it completely away from the other guys in the band and he gets his me time. And I think that's really important too, is like you mentioned being with each other every day. It's like a family. Sometimes you need a couple days away from your family, or in this case, you can't take a couple days. You, you need a couple hours away from your family. So you try to find things in the towns that you're at that interest you. You may want to check out and that's kind of like your escape while you're out there. Yeah. There, there are some places that you know, you go and sometimes you're in the middle of a major city or your hotel's in a really great spot. And so there's a lot of stuff to do. And then sometimes you find yourself where the hotel everyone is staying at is like in the middle of absolutely nowhere. (laughs) And there's one restaurant and it's in the hotel. And, you know, naturally when there's a group of like 20 people staying in one hotel, you're going to run into each other. And on, at least in my experience on the tours that I've been on so far, um, we it really has like i said i know i already said this but it really has felt like a family and even on days off it is i do have to say like ace said very important to be able to get your me time there are some days where i've just stayed in my hotel room and ordered food literally to my hotel room door and <laughs> like took a shower slept watched tv did nothing and there are other days where you know you go out with some of the other crew and go to dinner and lunch and, you know, do stuff. Um, You know, in my experience, I have yet to be on a tour where I'm like, oh my God, I literally <laughs> don't want to see any of these people. Um, I really genuinely love everybody that I've had the chance to work with. And I think some of the best times aside from putting on shows has been being able to see different parts of the country or the world with those people that I've, I've grown to, um, really love so much and appreciate so much. Um, we'll talk about it maybe in a little bit, but one of the most bittersweet moments for me is when you get off of a tour. Um, and that mostly is just because I, you know, you grow so attached to the people that you're with. Um, and they really do feel so much like your family and, and like your best friends that it's really hard. So, uh, you know, we have fun on days off and, but me time is definitely, definitely a necessity. Um, you know, for sure. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Now, Richie used to do these skits on YouTube. He has a... (laughs) incredible sense of humor twisted dry whatever he does he's got, the, he's got the hillbilly tooth when he does the hillbilly voice um the, the video that he has when he's got like a i think he's got like a fake black eye i don't know if that was real or not you know and he's in he's got the tooth and it. it's just his stuff on you i don't know if it's still up but at one time it was must see youtube tv which was Katzen's <laughs> videos and even his stuff with his wife on and uh on Instagram, how they joke around with each other. He's got to be a blast to tour with. Oh, he is. He is genuinely one of my favorite people. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because I really, you know, when I went into touring with them, um, you know, it was, it was all of these, it was these three musicians that I had known for years and I was a fan of, and there were various projects that I mean, when I first met them, it was kind of intimidating because, you know, I, they didn't really know me. I'm just this like, you know, 20 at the time, 23 year old girl who's just like coming in here and, uh, <laughs> you know, like handling, help handling the tour and everything. So, you know, when I first met Richie, I, I don't even think I've ever told him this. I was a little intimidated because, you know, I mean, he's Richie Cotson, right? He's like, phenomenal like you said in the beginning of this phenomenal guitar player phenomenal singer and it's funny because within like a week (laughs) he just became like one of my favorite people he is he is hilarious you know the 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 teeth thing still happens i mean there were times where we would be in the front lounge and he would disappear and he'd come back with him in and (laughs) he is genuinely just one of the he's one of the funniest people you will ever meet a hundred percent yeah, no, the the stuff 
that he used to post is just is just absolutely hysterical. There's a story out there. I forget what interview it was, but it was when Richie showed up at a Mr. Big show before he was a Mr. Big. And he showed up looking like a homeless person. And he was backstage <laughs> and like everybody was like, who the hell is this guy? And he's got like this hood and his clothes are all dirty and he's talking to him. And then like he takes his hood off and it's Richie and everyone's like, you know, but yeah, he's he can play. He can when he does like a, a, a bit, he commits to it. <laughs> he does. He's one of I think one of the only people that is I I genuinely have like genuinely cried laughing at like really I cannot stop you know belly over almost pee my pants laugh like he he commits to the bit a hundred percent well just one hundred percent um and he's exactly you know who who he is on stage and and on social media and in interviews is a hundred percent who he is behind the scenes you know he's one of the nicest people out there super talented, super funny. You know, he's just, I could not say enough good things about him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you go from the States to Europe and this is your first time in Europe. What's the difference in what you have to do versus the, versus the U S. Oh man. I, for me going into Europe was daunting for the one reason. So I, on the tour, I did a, I did a bunch of different things. One of the things I did was merch, um, and I was really stressed about the different currencies because we were going um, between like I don't know. We were doing a lot of different countries. We did, you know, I was dealing with euros and pounds and francs and you know like so many different <laughs> currencies, and you know you're getting handed coins and you're like I've never seen this before in my entire life. Um, so I was a little intimidated by that and trying to figure that out. Um, as for the rest of it, it, it it's not too different when it comes to actually touring. I mean, load-ins are the same. Um, the buses over in Europe are different. So when you have a typical tour bus here in the States, it's just one one level. You have a front lounge, bunk alley, which is typically, depending on the bus, some, some buses have what they call condos, which are bigger bunks. Um, the typical crew bus has just 12 bunks, like three, uh, three on each side in the front, three on each side in the back. And then you have a back lounge. Um, in Europe, they're actually double decker buses. So you have a downstairs level and then all the bunks are upstairs. Um, so that's a little bit different. Um, and, but when it comes to actually doing the show, it's, it's pretty similar. Um, and, Luckily for me, I did not speak, <laughs> I do not speak really any other languages other than English, um, which I felt really bad about when I was, I was like, I'm going to these countries and I have to communicate with these people and I'm just expecting them to speak English because I have no idea how to speak anything else. Uh, but luckily a lot of people over there do speak English. So that wasn't too complicated. Um, but it definitely is uh, a little bit of a shell shock when it comes to even hotels, um, you know, things that you don't think about until you're preparing to go. You need like all the adapters and voltage converters and all that stuff. Um, 
but I mean, it was a, it was a really great time to be able to do that. And I'll be going back in March with Mr. Big too. So I'm looking forward to that, but Europe was, Europe was a blast. What's that like? And just curiosity for you. I mean, first time in Europe, you know, you've seen the pictures, you've heard the, about the countries and now you're there. I mean, there has to be that intrigue that everybody has when the first time they go there and, you know, the, the old, the history, I mean, Europe is just filled with history and everywhere you go. Yeah. You, were you able to, to get more knowledge or have more experiences than maybe you would have had in the States? Was there more of a motivation to kind of stay out of your hotel room or get places and kind of see things? Yeah, it's so unfortunately, fortunately, and unfortunately, um, on the run that I did with, uh, the winery dogs, we didn't have too many days off. Uh, it was a pretty jam packed schedule. Um, cause we were only there for, I think like two and a half, three weeks at the most. Um, and we covered a lot of ground. So I think we only had like two real days off. The rest of them were travel days and then shows. And, um, for anybody who is familiar with touring or, um, you know, that lifestyle. I mean, when you, at least when you're part of the crew, it's not really super feasible to be able to see where you're, the city that you're playing in, like on a show day, because you start so early, you finish late. There's not really a lot of time um, with all the preparation of the day to be able to walk around and, and see where you are. Um, so you really kind of have to rely on days off for that. For the band, it's a little bit different because you know, their mornings are a little bit more free. Uh, but as a, you know, somebody on the crew, you kind of really have to rely on the days off to see stuff. So I had two days off. I think one was in Cologne, Germany, and the other one was in La Rochelle, France, which was like a smaller city, um, like right on the water. And both days though, I mean, we, we got out and, you know, kind of hit the ground running as fast as I could to see as much as I could. Um, the next run, though, that I'm doing with Mr. Big, we have quite a few days off, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, it's a little bit, still a bunch of shows, but a little bit slower when it comes to pacing. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, it's, I mean, it was so cool to be able, we, you know, landed in Hamburg and I was like, I can't believe I'm in Germany right now. Like, <laughs> it was, it was a really cool experience. It's also got to be a cool thing for you um, because you kind of can pick where you want to go see or where you want to go back and actually visit and have time to do things. Because, you know, I think people have the misconception that when a band's touring, they're out visiting, you know, going here, going there. And they really, like you just said, there's really not a lot of time to do it. So, you know, it can be it can be a struggle to get stuff in. And then when you get ready for the show, you're you're exhausted for the show if you go out and do that. Yeah, there's there's just really, there's just not a lot of time. And I think that's definitely a misconception that a lot of people have is, you know, they see the tour schedule. And, and when I say this, I mean, don't get me wrong, because I, I've gotten to see, you know, so many places, especially in my time in the States. Like, there's been so many days off that I've been able to see a lot of cities and places that I would have never had if you know, I didn't have this job and, and work in this industry. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time people see the tour schedule and they're like, you're going to all these places and you're seeing all these things. And although it's true to a certain extent, I mean, a lot of the time you're just kind of seeing 
the four walls of the venue, which I mean, isn't a bad thing because uh, I'm working and, and, you know, doing what I love, but it's not like every single show or every single city you're in, you're able to, you know, see everything and do everything. Um, when we were in Europe, we did a show in Milan and it was a show day. We didn't have a day off or anything before or after, but like I was able to sneak away and I got myself like I walked down the street and got myself like gelato, which was something that was like always on my bucket list. I was like, I want to eat real gelato in Italy. Um, and so, you know, when you have the opportunities to do something like that, you, you take it, you know, if you can sneak away for even a half hour to go do something or see something, if you have the time, um, I always recommend it, but not every day is like that. Yeah. Now doing this, cause you said you've always wanted to, to do, go on tour with bands. Was it everything that you thought it was going to be? Was there something that surprised you? Or something that you didn't anticipate, or was it exactly how you thought it would be? I think, I think for the most part, it was exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, like I mentioned before, I never really thought it was this glamorous thing. Um, I always knew that it was hard work. I always knew that it was really long days, long hours, you know, a busy schedule. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes, you have a preconceived notion, like I just said, where it's all of this, all travel, all play, no work. I never really thought it was that. So when I got into it, um, and it was a lot of work, it was something that I, I was expecting and I was really prepared for and, and ready to take on and do the best job that I possibly can. Um, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that maybe I wasn't expecting is kind of going back around to what I was talking about a little bit earlier with um like sometimes when I'm home I don't listen to music as much as I used to which is a weird thing for me to say I still listen to music a lot I still have music on probably like 85 90% of the time um but Sometimes I'm just like not in the mood for it as much because I'm just around it so often and so involved in that world. And it it's become, you know, trying to figure out what the next gig is going to be, where, you know, I'm going next with, with this line of work. You kind of have to figure stuff out months in advance. And sometimes it can be really stressful to to do that because you're trying to, you know, like <laughs> for this year, I'm like thinking of what I have going on in the fall and, you know, people are asking me to make plans or, you know, my family's like, do you want to go to this show? Or I like, I have no idea because I have no idea where I'm going to be, you know, in July or August or September. Um, So sometimes bringing it back to the original point, you know, when I listen to music, sometimes I get a little overwhelmed because it's like sensory overload and it kind of reminds me of work, which is something that I don't think I was necessarily expecting. And I don't feel like that all the time. Um, and I want to make that clear because I don't want people to think that I like don't like music anymore because that's not true. I, I still love and listen to music very often and probably more than the average person. But that was definitely something that I wasn't 100% expecting when I got into this. What's the, you mentioned, you touched on how bittersweet it is to end the tour because you come, you you come back after the tour and you become a family while you're out. 
what's that process like? Because that's like kind of like an emotional come down of just, you know, you're you're leaving the people you spent the last four months with. You're you don't have the 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 pressure, the hustle and bustle that you're used to every day, that grind that, you know, we talked about. What's that like that moment or those what's that moment when you're adjusting to back to I don't know, civilian life, I'll call it. So post-tour depression is like a, a literal thing that exists um, with people, you know, roadies and people who work in this this industry and in this field. Um, it can be really hard sometimes, especially when you have, you know, maybe you have off for like a month or something or two months. Like when I came home from the last Alice leg, uh, I pretty much have had November and December off, which has been great for the holidays and I definitely have like enjoyed the rest and needed the break because you really do need the downtime to, you know, like anybody to repair and kind of rest and get ready for whatever the next thing is. Um, but it can be really hard to go from, you know, basically a hundred miles an hour to nothing. And especially hard when you are leaving the group of people that you have been around for months. It's, it's one of those things where you look back on it or, you know, it's like you're getting to the end or it's the last show. And for me, I don't know if this happens to a lot of other people who work in this field, but it almost is like a crippling like realization that I will never have this moment again. Like even if I tour with these people again, even if, you know, it's the same exact group of people or I tour with the same band at a different time, maybe years from now or a year from now, it will never be this. Like this was a finite moment in time. This was, you know, I, I really felt that way about the winery dogs personally. Um, it was like, this was such a, it was such a fun couple of months and with such an amazing group of people that I felt like I got so close with. And, uh, you know, the band became, you know, those three guys became some of my favorite people ever. Um, they were more than just people I worked for. They became genuine friends. And it was really hard to be like, I don't know the next time I'm going to see you or hang out or, you know, I have no idea when that might be. Um, and when you're with somebody for like three months straight every day, you know, you're in the same venue, you're on the same bus, you're staying at the same hotel, you're going to dinner together, you're doing this together you know, it becomes really hard to kind of adjust to not seeing that person. And eventually you do, you know, like anything, life moves on and, you know, you kind of get into the rhythm of being at home, which also has so many benefits to like be with all of your stuff and like sleep in your own bed. Um, and I know that I'll see those people again someday and I'll be going out on another tour soon. But yeah, I think it's just the realization that it was a moment of in time in my life that I might you know, not get again, or it might not feel the same again. Uh, not because the tour is any better than, than any other tour I'll be on, but you know, it's just, it's a special moment and yeah, it's, it can be really tough sometimes. Now you're going out with Mr. Big. Are a lot of the same people involved in that or is it a completely different machine? There are some, um, there are some people transparently I haven't met yet that, um, I'll be out with, which is also great, you know, getting to tour with people you don't know because, you know, you walk away with the feeling that I just described, you know, you walk into a situation, you know, nobody, um, 
which can be daunting sometimes. Um, when I started working for Alice, I knew a lot of those people. So I didn't really feel too much stress going into it because I felt like I knew a lot. I, I had a lot of familiar faces. When I went in with the winery dogs, though, I knew nobody uh, really, you know, very well. So, but then I left that situation with like a bunch of people that I, I loved so much and like I just said, felt so close to. So that's the fun thing about going into a tour sometimes with people you don't know is that, you know, you walk away with even more friendships and memories of people that you would have never expected. So Mr. Big, there are definitely some of the same people. There are some some new faces I don't know, but I am sure it's going to be a very similar situation. We're going to have a lot of fun because we have a lot of touring the first half of this year uh, pretty steadily um, until like about end of May. So it's going to be a good run. Now, you're going to be doing the Monsters of Rock cruise as well this year. I am. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. That's awesome. Like, how did how does that happen? Like, do you start to learn of people in the business and know of people in the business who do things? Or is every job kind of like an applicant interview process? I don't know how that whole thing works. It's definitely it's definitely a lot of networking. Mm-hmm. The more you do, the more people you meet, um, the more people you work for, you know, the ability to be able to do a good job and, you know, have those people know that they can rely on you and trust you. And, you know, that like any job, it's, that's not unique to the in- the music industry. Um, it's a big deal. And eventually, you know, when people know that they can, I guess, rely on you, you know, you start to get offers for other things. and um, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, like I mentioned, I think before, right before we get on, you know, this is only my second full year of really doing this. So I, I'm definitely by no means when I say that saying I like know everybody or anything, cause that's certainly not the case. I'm still very green. Um, but with every tour, you know, I get new experience. I meet new people and, you know, fortunately, thankfully, I'm so grateful offers like the Monsters of Rock Cruise are starting to come in, which is very exciting. Um, that has been like a bucket list uh, thing for me, not only to work it, but I had always just wanted to go on it. And to be able now to do that and to work it uh, is going to be just, it's a dream come true. I'm really excited. Now I have heard the people watching on the Monsters of Rock Cruise <laughs> is like, should be, like a ticketed event. Like you should have to pay to have that much daily entertainment. Cause I heard it gets pretty wild. Oh, I've, I know a lot of people who have been on it every year and I've seen a lot of videos and pictures and I can only imagine what I will see from the merch booth. Um, I'm very, I'm still, I'm still just extremely excited and even more excited to people watch for sure. It wasn't a Monsters of Rock cruise tour. But I was told this story last year, actually, around New Year. I had dinner with a singer of a, or used to be a singer of a band that you and I both know, that I forget what tour it was, or what cruise it was for. It, it, was, it wasn't Monster Rock, it was something different. And he walked in, like, the main lobby of the cruise ship, and he saw something that he could never unsee for the rest of his life. Um, and you could tell when I was talking with him over dinner, how it was still disturbing 
to him that what he saw. And so, yeah, so these rock cruise ships, these rock cruise things, I've always wanted to experience it. I'm not a big fan of cruises because I've been on a regular cruise before, but I've heard that it's just like, you don't even, you just sit at a table and you just watch people walk by. And sometimes that's even more entertaining than the bands that are playing. I've I've only done one music cruise and that was, I went last year. Um, I was on the, on the blue cruise and it was uh, something that kind of happened last minute. I didn't work it. I, I was just kind of attending. Um, that one was a little different though, because it, it's a lot of, um, it's like early seventies rock really. Yeah. It's like a lot of like Alan Parsons and you know, that, that kind of stuff like Ambrosia was on there and that crowd is not really getting wild. You know, it's like they're sitting at best. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not anything crazy. So I, it's definitely, that's definitely going to be completely different from what I will experience in just a few short weeks. <laughs> now, now are you going to be specifically for one band or is it multiple bands while you're on the cruise ship? I believe it's just for like cruise merchandise. Um, I'm still waiting to hear some details regarding that, but I believe it's just like generic, like the cruise in general. Um, but they got some cool stuff. If anybody's going, uh, they've posted a lot of people probably have already pre-ordered merch. Uh, they were offering that a couple months ago and even up until, um, I think a couple weeks ago that you could order the merch and then pick it up on the cruise. Uh, and they've got some really cool designs and hoodies, tank tops, um, for like men and women, uh, you know, it's, they always have the cool Monsters of Rock logo, you know, all the, the lineup, all the bands that are playing all that. Um, so you can check that out over on Monsters of Rock's social media and the website and everything, but they got some cool merch. So I'm, I'm really stoked to sell it. Now we talked before briefly, you know, before we started the interview, is this like the direction, the path you want to go into? I know you've done some journalism, some rock journalism for some publications like Brave Words, uh, Brave yeah, Brave Words, and then Loudwire. Now you're doing touring with the bands. Like, where do you see your path continuing? Man, it's... I, I want to say right now, I really do want to continue with the touring. I don't know if it will be forever. I don't know, you know, what... You know, if somebody were to ask me, where do you think I'll be in five years... I, I don't know if I could answer that with confidence right now. I'm kind of just taking things as they come. And, and right now touring and, and, and being a part of this field and, and kind of lifestyle feels right. Um, you know, like I mentioned when I, you know, went to college, I went to school for music business. And when I kind of had my focus on getting into the music industry, the first thing I wanted to do was tour. That was, what like my main goal was even when I started the journalism thing that was kind of my goal to try to make connections and network and and get to a point where I could be able to do this because it was you know something that I'd always dreamed of um live music is easily my favorite thing in the world and I so badly wanted to be a part of it you know I would go to shows and I would you know get to the end of the night and everybody would be leaving after the show's over. And I would just stand there and watch all of the people who are starting to pack stuff up. And I would think about, you know, the fact that they got to kind of, you know, travel with the circus and, 
and, you know, go to the next city and do it all over again and, and be around, you know, this, this thing that I, that I love so much. So when I finally got, you know, have had the chance to get into it and do it, um, it just, it feels so right right now. And I really love what I do. I love the people that I get to work with and work for. And, you know, I'm, I'm still in my twenties and I feel like I'm in a good age to be able to take the time and see the world and travel and, you know, kind of get as much experience as I can. So, you know, for right now, I think I want to stick with this, but, you know, anything can change. I have no idea what the future might hold. Um, but right now this, this feels right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great experience. Like you said, you know, you're in your early twenties and you are seeing places that a lot of people will never see in their whole lifetime. And you're doing that. And that's, that's a great experience. And, you know, you really learn a lot about yourself, you know, and in the travels that I've had throughout my life, I think the most growth I've had as a person is through traveling, seeing other places, seeing other cultures. It gives you a better understanding of people, you know, um, you know, typically just my opinion, when you hear someone talk about other cultures in a negative way, it's because they've never experienced it or they don't understand it. And I think that's a, you know, that's a thing that you're going to really realize is you're going to have a, you know, like you mentioned about communicating when you don't, the other person doesn't speak English. And thankfully a lot of them did, but you know, that's a bridge that you got to figure out, right? I mean, that's something that you got to do and that all matters, you know, for personal growth and all that stuff that you, that I think 100%, the most growth I've had as a human is because of traveling and experiencing different things. Yeah. I'm, I'm so unbelievably grateful that I, I have a, a job and I get to do this work that allows me to see all of these places. And, you know, it's definitely the cherry on top of, you know, getting to be a part of, of a live show. It's, you know, to be able to see, you know, different states and cities and countries and continents, you know, it's, I really genuinely am, am so grateful um, that I have the chance to do that. And I, I don't take a second of it for granted. You know, I, like I said, I really do love what I do and I hope, you know, that, <laughs> that comes across and in, in things that I share. And, you know, when I talk to fans, you know, that's another thing that I, I love, you know, getting to, um, kind of be a little bit of a bridge between the band and the fans, you know, when I do merch and VIP and all that. So I feel really blessed and, and really thankful to, to be here and to be able to do this and talk about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very thankful. Kind of going back to what I said a little bit earlier. I mean, especially with, with everybody. I mean, with Alice too. Um, but even more so sometimes with the winery dogs, cause that was such a different tour. Um, you know, of like I, I got to live on the bus, you know, with the band and I got to know them very well. And so they're just, they're just the funniest guys and just hilarious. Like so many nights on the bus, just hanging out and listening to music and, and, um, you know, Richie dancing in the front lounge. She posted videos of that on Instagram, hilarious at like two in the morning, just so many fun moments with them that it's almost hard to pick just one. <laughs> Does he still buy those puppets that he likes? The puppets. Yeah, he's got like these a collection of like Europe, like he gets them in Europe, I think. Maybe it's South America, where he gets like these. I think they're like they're not they're not necessarily puppets, but they're like 
they're like um oh I forget the term that that um but he does post a lot about it on his Instagram where he gets like these wooden um oh man I can't think of them but they're kind of like puppets where they got strings attached and you kind of move them and they kind of got like a a, uh, a clown face or an evil looking face or something like that. Oh, he didn't bring those. Thank God. Yeah, no, he, he's got some <laughs> videos, but he's got like a, like he showed like his house, like on a YouTube video. And he's got like these, these collections of things that he's collected through the years while on tour. And oh my God. No, they're not called puppets. They're called something else. And I can't think of the name right now, but I'm, I'm really uh, glad he did not bring any or purchase any because that sounds scary. No, but he like, and he kind of <laughs> talks in that, like, that like voice oh, God. you know God. <laughs> um oh god some of the some of the videos that he puts out several years ago were just i remember my friend who knew richie who passed away last year crash crafton um was very supportive of richie and you know had, had a lot of contact with him and everything and and I know um, one of the reasons why I became such a big Richie fan is because of him. So we, he would he would send me these links to these YouTube videos, and they were just absolutely hysterical and crazy and odd at the same time. So, yeah, I would love to sit at – I would love to have dinner. The two people I'd love to have dinner with is Richie and Alex Lifeson at, like, the same dinner. <laughs> yeah, you, you certainly would never – you don't get bored when uh, – no. When you're hanging out with Richie, that's for certain. But I'm, yeah, I, I not, did not know about the puppet thing. And like I said, I, I don't even want to know how he would have terrorized us with them. So I'm kind of I'll, glad. Yeah. I'll send you a link <laughs> if I can find one on YouTube and maybe you'll, maybe, cause I know maybe it's South America he gets them. Cause I know he does a lot of solo touring or touring right. solo career in South America. But, um, yeah, I'll send you, I'll, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe. Please do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Sydney, it's been great catching up and talking with you. It's always a blast, and I always appreciate your time and you coming on. And I'm so happy for you because I think it's a great experience, and I think big things are ahead for you. You know, 10 years from now, you're going to look back on it and where you're at in the music industry because I think you will be in the music industry, and I think this will be a, a giant first step for you. So, Or maybe a second or third step. Thank you so much, Jay. It's it's a, always so much fun to be able to come on here and you know, especially talk about this and and kind of where I've been at. And um, yeah, I I'm so thankful, like I said, to be able to do this and to, um, you know, be a part of this world and uh, you know, do what I do. And so I'm just so so grateful and excited for you know all the touring that's going to come this year. So, uh, if anybody's coming to see Mr. Big, I'll be helping work the merch booth then you can come uh buy a t-shirt from me and all the other fun stuff we're going to be selling so i hope to see some folks out there yeah maybe i'll see you in a couple weeks at the displaying cedar for mr big and yes uh, yeah once again though thank you very much i appreciate it of course thank you so much for having me that is sydney taylor i am jay scott and this has been another episode of the hook rocks thank you for tuning in take care of each other Stay safe, and we will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 